Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. Welcome to the latest Highways Voices, the leading podcast of the highways and transport technology industries, where today we're talking the future of transport. We're seeing a real revolutionary change in the way in which we travel happen right now. Everything from the introduction of autonomy and logistics to the change in the way that we charge our vehicles. The new Department for Transport Chief Scientific Advisor features on this week's Highways Voices. Hear about the journey we're all on on this week's podcast. Highways Voices, in association with partner organisations ITS UK, Elkrig, Adept and the Transport Technology Forum. Now as we start, let me tell you, this is a really special Highways Voices because not only is Sarah Sharples on, but because for the first time since we launched this podcast more than a year ago, and indeed for the first time since we launched Highways News more than two years ago, I'm actually in the real three-dimensional company of the person who is my co-owner, Adrian Tatum. Adrian, it's great to see you. You're looking older. Thanks. So are you. (laughs) I know, and less hairy as well. Um, So what have you been up to and what are the top stories on the website as far as you're concerned this week? So uh, Parliament Undersecretary for Transport, Baroness Fear, has been speaking to industry professionals this week. She said roads need to play a crucial part in a route to net zero. She said they need to support new forms of mobility, be it active travel, e-scooters, embracing emerging technology such as self-driving vehicles and accommodate new street architecture. Elsewhere, the Welsh Government plans to improve bus services across Wales. This has been considered especially in the Cardiff region. The government's wire paper consultation, one network, one timetable, one ticket, looks at how to integrate public transport across the region and the country. And a collaborative approach to spatial planning and rural mobility can support better connectivity and economic growth in the north of England, according to Transport for the North. They have outlined the region's shared positions as part of its work to revise the strategic transport plan and enhance mobility for people and businesses. You can also read about the latest in TfL's funding woes. Who wins the accolade of being the world best location data and services provider and how a team of engineers are going to walk the wires of the Humber Bridge. You can read those and so many more stories on our website. Don't forget to sign up to our daily email into your inbox every lunchtime and to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. All the details on highways-news.com. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. Swarco improves quality of life by making the travel experience safer, quicker, more convenient and environmentally sound. From software-as-a-service traffic management solutions to parking, VMS, EV charging and road marking too, find out how Swarco can deliver more efficient and safer traffic management. Swarco, the better way every day. Last year, Professor Sarah Sharples of Nottingham University took over from Professor Phil Blythe as the Chief Scientific Advisor at the Department for Transport. Last month, she spoke at the Transport Technology Forum conference in Liverpool and what she had to say was so good, I thought I'd share it with you in full this week. Here's the first part of her speech. I'm new to the department, well relatively new. I joined in July last year and 
being a chief scientific advisor is, is a real privilege because my job is to provide independent challenge to the department, but also to provide support to the department in terms of how to respond to that independent challenge. And one of the things that is really, really important is making the connection between the work that's being done within the department work that's being done in industry, work that's being done in local authorities and work that's being done in academia. The Chief Scientific Advisor is, is not a walking Wikipedia anymore. I think when it was first brought in as a role to government departments, the Chief Scientific Advisor was expected to be the wise expert who knew everything about science. I hope I don't disappoint you. I don't know everything about science. But what my job is to do is to make those connections between people who do have that deep knowledge and embed it in the work of the department. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the role of science and technology within the department. So the first thing I really want to highlight is that we are constantly seeing a phase of evolution and revolution in the world of transport. I'm reading a, a book at the moment, I'm only, I'm only early in it, called The History of Motion. And it talks about the environmental challenges that were presented with horse-drawn carriages in London in the um, late Victorian times, and how people were so concerned about the environmental impact and were really angsting about what to do about this environmental pollutant that they, they found as the sort of scourge of their living. And of course, we're seeing a real revolutionary change in the way in which we travel happen right now. Everything from the introduction of autonomy and logistics to the change in the way that we charge our vehicles. So one of the great things about working in the world of transport is this constant evolution that leads to revolution in the way that we change the way we live and the way we move. One of the things that I did when I joined the department was I said, right, where's my list of research priorities for the department? Everyone looked at me a little bit confused and said, well, we've got some areas of research interest. It's a brilliant document, 239 areas of research interest. And so I was like, well, that's great. What that tells me is there's loads and loads for roles of science and engineering across the department but it doesn't tell me what the priorities are. And so my colleagues have sort of led a six-month process of development of what will be a living document. We're doing a continual process of review and revision of the research priorities. They will be different in two weeks' time as well. But what we've managed to do is to identify the priority research and development and demonstration questions for each of four strategic priorities for the department. Those four priorities being around reducing environmental impacts, improving transport for the user, global impacts, and levelling up and growing the economy. And so what I'm just going to do is provide a bit of a whistle-stop tour as to my thoughts as to the role of technology in addressing just a few of these questions. So one of the first questions is around how we design the transport system to ensure it's putting users at heart. So how do we design the transport system to ensure it's putting users at its heart? Well, there's all sorts of ways that we need to understand users, and there is a balance between responding to user needs, responding to user understanding of technology, responding to user diversity, addressing issues of capacity and rail while also maintaining comfort. But we are all different shapes and sizes. We all have different needs, different mobility capabilities. And then, of course, we have the requirements for accessibility for those who hold disabilities as well. But we need to get this balance between understanding and designing our transport systems to um, accommodate as diverse needs as we possibly can, but 
also thinking about where we need to change behaviour. How do we think about the um, way in which we provide transport to encourage more spread of transport use throughout the day so that then we can address capacity issues through balancing the use of our public transport at different times of day? So there's a balance between the behavioural science, the influence of behaviour, and then the respond to an understanding of user needs that we then design to accommodate. I'm very, very keen. If someone talks to me about education as being the solution for change in transport, then I get a little bit cross. Because actually, we can only do so much through education and and sort of information. I believe that there's a huge opportunity that we have through the way in which we design our transport systems to accommodate and influence behaviour. But We've not only got the sort of technologies that we see around us today, we've also got emerging technologies. Now, some of those we're starting to see embed within the way in which we design transport. So I've got a few sort of prompts around technologies that range from um, AI and autonomy. So what role does artificial intelligence play in the way in which we design our future transport systems? Massive role in terms of the way in which we design um, logistics operations and autonomy at ports, where we have dangerous or um, hard to deliver human tasks, then autonomy can provide a real opportunity for us to increase efficiency and actually increase safety of our transport system. But we also have technologies such as position navigation and timing that form a fundamental part of many of our transport systems, everything from understanding how train doors open to the way in which we control aircraft. And then we have real novel technologies such as quantum technologies. So we've now got a team within the Department for Transport that are thinking about some of these future technologies and understanding what the transport use cases might be, but also what risks they potentially present in terms of our reliance on those transport technologies and thinking about, therefore, what we need to do to respond. The way in which quantum technologies might change the way we deliver transport may be through completely changing the way in which autonomous vehicles are able to gather information about their surroundings. Maybe we could completely revolutionise the way in which we design our train timetables through quantum technologies. So understanding the role of quantum technologies and other emerging technologies in transport is also part of our mission. But then we're also seeing technologies that are slightly closer to market. One of the programmes that I'm a huge fan of within the department is the Future Transport Zones. The Future Transport Zones that many of you will be familiar with and even part of have enabled coalitions in many cases of local authorities to explore in a practical context the use of new technologies and think about the specific use case that they have and how new technologies might help. An example of this is in the Solent, where they're looking at the opportunity of using drone technologies to deliver medical supplies because of the particular geographical challenge that they have. But we see other examples through the future transport zones that are looking at implementation of new data solutions to manage traffic or other types of innovations that can improve the traveller and the customer experience. But I think one of the things that's really, really important is that we don't just have these future transport zones 
governments delivering their technology in those local settings. But we use forums like this to extract and share that learning. Professor Sarah Sharples, Chief Scientific Advisor at the Department for Transport, talking at the TTF conference last month. More on that in a moment, but talking of the TTF, here's the latest from them and our other partners with their news this week with me. Highways Voices, with the latest news and events from our partner organisations Elkrig, Adept, the Transport Technology Forum and ITS UK. So the TTF conference's material is now online and you can now see it all either as the presentations in PowerPoint or as the videos of the actual speeches and discussions. It's all available at the website which is in the blurb and it includes Sarah Sharples in video form and the Q&A featuring Chris Boardman of Active Travel England and a host of other material. Don't forget the ITS UK Awards nominations are open. Check out their website for all the categories and sponsorship details are available too for the event as well as dinner tickets. You can get a whole table for 10 for just 850 quid and there are special rates for early careers professionals too. Find out more online. Closer to home and delegates attending next month's Elkrig Innovation Festival will have the opportunity to attend sessions that are being delivered by the Department for Transport. The new event, which will take place on the 6th and 7th of July at the Newark Showground, has been established to make the case for innovation and will bring together local authorities, central government, the supply chain, associations and academia. On the 6th of July, Laura Murphy, the head of Road Network Statistics, will deliver a presentation entitled DFT Road Data Measuring Local Roads. Then on the 7th, Matthew Eglinton, Head of Local Highways Maintenance, Innovation and Resilience, Local Infrastructure, will lead a session entitled Local Transport Plans, Driving Better Outcomes for Local Authorities and the UK. Matt will cover off several topics, including DFT plans to deliver the new LTP guidance and incentivise local authorities to update their LTPs. Each session will take place at 2 o'clock, with attendees given the opportunity to participate in a Q&A. For further information and to register for the event, go to elkrig.org.uk. And Mark Kemp, the new president of ADEPT, has launched the Climate Change and Green Growth Policy position. The paper, which urges government to give local authorities the powers, resources and funding they need to deliver net zero, sets out ADEPT's position that national targets will only be met through climate change action at local level. The policy position sets out how climate change targets can only be achieved with coordinated leadership, support and resource from government, a clear framework for delivery, coherent policy and powers for councils and appropriate long-term funding are all required to meet these targets. Mark Kemp is the Executive Director of Environment and Transport at Hertfordshire County Council and takes over the role as President of ADEPT from Paula Hewitt. The ADEPT Climate Change and Green Policy position is available on the guess what? Adept website. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. Now back to more with Sarah Sharples at the TTF conference in Liverpool last month. One of the things that I found since I've joined the department is there is loads of brilliant stuff going on that people do not know about. And so one of my jobs is to take that brilliant research from out of the drawers it's been sitting in and it's been influencing the local sort of policy area and broaden it and share that understanding and make sure that we're therefore sharing the learning across modes, across local authorities, across sectors in a way that hopefully can accelerate the implementation of technology within the transport system. 
So another one of our research priorities is around system safety and ensuring transport is safe and secure. And there are so many roles of technology that we have here, things that we're very familiar with around air traffic control or rail control or the implementation of technology in future train driving control systems. I've had PhD students who've observed rail signalers or train drivers getting eye movement data to understand how much time a train driver spends looking outside the cab and inside the cab with different types of technology. Having this scientific method to understand the impact of technology and the way it changes the way we deliver our transport is absolutely essential because if we're introducing these new technologies, it's really important we understand what we're bringing that's new, but also what we're changing about the nature of the transport use or the transport delivery. It's something that I think I've now seen in three or four different settings the use of artificial intelligence to automatically interpret through computer vision CCTV data. Really, really important in understanding capacity in our transport systems, but also security from a sort of threats perspective as well. And what's really interesting is the way in which this technology that has been around in academia for 20, 30 years is finally reaching the point where its accuracy and its reliability is sufficient to enable it to be used in a real-world context. So the technology is now starting to be able to distinguish between um, different types of objects, different types of behaviours, and therefore be used as part of an operational oversight or response, which is really exciting. But in my view, We've still got too much separation between work that's happening in local authorities, work that's happening in aviation security, work that's happening in rail security, work that's happening in academia. So how we can bring all of that together to make sure we've got that cross-learning, I think, is a real priority, and why forums such as this are so important. One of the other priorities that you'll be very, very aware of is our need to achieve net zero. And there are many, many parts of my world that are involved in this, some of our major funding programs looking at new decarbonisation technologies, but also thinking about the behaviour change that we'll require. But we need to understand the role of technology in enabling that behavioural change. Very often, we know that there are pinch points that affect the willingness to change behaviour as we choose our travel choice. So for me, if I'm choosing between my travel by train, which would always be my preference, or travel by road, I'll look at journey time, but I'll also look at journey quality. I'll look at access to PowerPoint. I'll look at my safety as, at the station if I'm waiting for a lift or waiting for a taxi to get home. I will look at the availability of information that I have to be able to dynamically manage my choice of travel as I move between the different modes as I'm travelling across the UK. So thinking about the role of technology as part of this overall behaviour change I think is really, really important. And beyond the sort of the personal information, we also know that we're having to change in terms of the way in which we are charging our vehicles, um, the technologies we're using. And it's really interesting to challenge ourselves about our understanding. We talk about something called a mental model, our understanding of how technology works and that influencing the choices we make. So how are we influencing the understanding of people who are using electric vehicles and their confidence in the information they have around the miles remaining they have before they need to replenish their electric vehicle charging. 
How much do people need to understand the role of hydrogen within our transport system? Do people care? And how do we encourage people to care about the carbon impact of their journeys that they're taking? And then one of the other things that we have a massive responsibility for within the department is the transport infrastructure that we deliver. Some fantastic work happening as part of the HS2 programme, thinking about the role of technology in improving the way in which we're delivering transport infrastructure to minimise its carbon impact, minimise its biodiversity impact, but also contribute to the levelling up agenda, which is one of the main missions around HS2 and other programmes. And it's everything from technology to look at deterring bats so that we don't disturb the natural wildlife as we're developing new infrastructure, to looking at the role of sensing technology in concrete to then minimise the waste of concrete in the production process. So the roles of technology we have are vast. And then there are some other more specific examples that many of you will be familiar with, which also contribute to that levelling up agenda. One of our main targets for levelling up is reducing the time travelled for people in different locations towards centres of employment. So actually, managing traffic and delays is a really, really important part of that levelling up agenda, as the Green Light Optimised Speed Advice describes. We also know that there's an environmental cost to all of the signage that we have around our motorways. Not only the environmental cost of delivering through the electricity that information, but much more importantly, the environmental cost of building the gantries, of, of the concrete and the steel that's involved in the construction that enables those electronic displays to be present. So how can we move away from external displays to in-vehicle technology? What does that need to look like? How does that affect driver attentional requirements? And how can we get that mapping between the in-vehicle information and the information you have external to your vehicle? And we know that public transport has been dramatically affected by the COVID pandemic. So what do we need to do to restore traveller confidence and drive mode shift towards public transport use? Technologies that enable data sharing that I know is very close to the heart of many people in this room not only help us as those who are delivering transport systems to understand the interactions between different elements of the system, but also through making that data open and accessible, enable entrepreneurs and small and medium-sized enterprises to develop applications such as CityMapper to then provide information to the travelling public. But we need to think about this in the context of those wider users. And this is a great project that's been funded by a number of teams that looks at helping those who might be anxious about travelling to learn about travelling through a serious game, to get familiar with public transport, because very often people don't use public transport because of that fear of the unknown, because of that worry about the pinch points, worry about the different elements that they may need to overcome in order to use the public transport facilities. So I actually wanted to conclude by saying, right, I've given you loads of examples of transport technology that we add to the system. But actually, I think we need a complete mindset change. I'm interested in the fact that we have a transport technology forum, and it's not just a transport forum. Because actually, I fail to find any part of our transport system that doesn't have technology at its heart anymore. I don't think we should be thinking about roads as being civil infrastructure. I think they are civil and digital infrastructure. We're already seeing this in railways, and we've seen it for many years in aviation. 
How powerful is the Tesla as a car? But actually, it's a computer on wheels, really. 72 trillion operations per second that the computer within the Tesla executes. I think I was working out earlier, that's six times the capacity of a PlayStation. So actually, we're already seeing technology as a core part of our transport system. And I do think, actually, there is a challenge for us to make sure that we as a community are working really, really closely with the other aspects of the community. So we don't see technology as some sort of side add-on that has to be fitted into the physical infrastructure, but is a core part of the decision-making at a very early stage of design and implementation. And the final thing I want us to reflect on is that actually we can't think about technology in isolation. It sits within a wider societal, political, legal and economic context. And so it's really important that we understand the role of technology within net zero, within active walking and cycling, within the levelling up agenda, because that's the way in which we will get this technology implemented and effective to transform the transport system in the way that I know we're all really keen to see. Sarah Sharples there, someone with some interesting ideas, speaking at last month's Transport Technology Forum conference, and thanks to the TTF for letting us use the audio here on Highways Voices. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. Now, before we go, we still have time for the moment that is... Adrian's accolade. And Adrian, turning to you, who wins this week? So my accolade this week goes to Transport for Wales, and that's for a trial of a new initiative that sees a new onboard digital service providing passengers with hearing loss with personalised journey information announcements. The Hearing Enhanced Audio Relay, or HEAR, application was successfully tested for two months on the TFW network. Uh, with the aim of improving the journeys for passengers with hearing loss. The application enables passengers connected to the onboard Wi-Fi to receive personal journey announcements to their smart devices in real time. So, worthy winners of my accolade this week. Thank you very much, Adrian. Great to see you. We're going to go off for a pint, dear listener, because we're recording this on Tuesday before we upload this, so it's not uh, pint at 9.30 on a Wednesday morning, I promise you. That's it for this week's Highways Voices. Thank you for listening, and we'll join you next week when we talk parking with WPS. Join us then. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry.